0: Natch Chat is brought to you by Walters. Make Walters your pregame stop before this Saturday night's DC United match at Audi Field.
1: Register at waltersdc.com slash events and receive a free old-time logger for doing so.
2: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
3: stop is well toward the middle. Davis, the third baseman, off the line of the pitch. Swung on, hit on the ground. Up the middle, a base hit into center field. This is going to score both runners. Smith has scored. Racing for the plate is Cole on a single up the middle, and two runs batted in for C.J. Abrams. And the Nationals making it a big, crooked number here in the top half of the first inning. Five runs are home for the Nationals. It's Washington 5 and San Francisco yet to bat... 5-0 5-0 Nationals, two outs, bases empty, the wind and the pitch. Ground ball slowly hit to short, circling it, coming in Abrams, he has it, he sets and he fires, and Estrada's out on a close play. So Jake Irvin is through six, shutout innings.
0: And welcome to Nats Chat for Tuesday, May 9th, 2023, along with Mass and Sports.com Nationals insider Mark Zuckerman, who is at Oracle Park in San Francisco, California. I'm Al Galdi, host of the Al Galdi Podcast. Are the Nats a rebuilding team? Yes, they are. But are the Nats a team that now is eleven and nine since a four and eleven start? Yes, they are. Late night on Monday night, another Nats win—a five-one win at the San Francisco Giants in Game One of a three-game series. The Nats now have won five of their last seven games. The Nats late night on Monday night, a five-run first inning. The Nats late night on Monday night, six and a third scoreless innings from Jake Irvin in just his second Major League regular season start. These late night games are tough for people to stay up and watch. We get that. That's where this podcast comes in. But if you're a Nats fan and you stayed up on Monday night, Mark, you were rewarded with a nice, clean, solid win by a Nats team that continues to play well.
1: Here's all you need to know, Al. One of the local San Francisco writers uh, who was covering for the Associated Press came over to us afterward and said, that's the best individual team performance he's seen so far this year in one game. And that tells you something, the way they went about and just took control of that game from the very beginning, the way Jake Irvin pitched, the way the defense played behind him, that was crisp. It was clean. They played with a purpose and it was a fun thing to watch this team do. And are they going to do that every night? No. But I think we've seen now over the course of 35 games that they have the ability on any given night to play a game like that. And when it does come together, it's a lot of fun to watch. And it it does kind of make you forget about the overall state of the organization or where they are right now in the rebuild. It makes you think, boy, they're not that far off when they play like that, right?
0: They're not. And, you know, the Nats now are 35 games into the 162. We're approaching a quarter of the way into the regular season. So, you know, we are starting to get, you know, a decent sample size on the team. Now, we know a lot of things can change. We all know there's a long way to go. But I don't know how, if you're a Nats fan, you don't feel appreciably better about this team. Last season wasn't just bad. Last season was ugly. You know, it wasn't just the major league worst 55 and 107. It was the major league worst run differential 252 minus 252 runs. Ugly, hideous baseball so often on display last season, as was the case in a lot of ways in the 2021 season. We're not seeing that. You know, I don't know how many losses the Nats are going to end up with this year, but I feel very confident in saying that, you know, barring like just something totally unforeseen, We're going to exit this season feeling appreciably better about the state of this team.
1: Yeah, I agree. And, you know, part of that is because we've talked about all along who's doing it. And there are key young pieces to the puzzle that are doing it. So it means more than just whether or not they win a game this year, but that these are guys who may be winning important games for them next year and beyond. So it starts with that. But even if it didn't, just the quality of baseball. They look like, it's going to sound crazy to even have to make this qualification, but they look like a major league team. They did not at a lot of the time last year look like a major league team. They absolutely do this year. When they lose with only a handful of exceptions, it's still good quality baseball. They just come up short usually because they don't score enough runs. It's a different brand. It's a much more enjoyable brand of baseball to watch. And I just did the numbers and yeah, it's 35 games. So these things can change very quickly. But at 15 and 20, they're on pace to win 69 games this year. I think everybody would be thrilled with that as the end result. And you say, well, 69 wins, that's nowhere close to where you need to be. No. But when you're coming off 55, that's a massive improvement. And this is even with the 4 and 11 start that you said. I mean, since then, they've essentially been better than a 500 team. And they're going to go through their ups and downs. There are going to be some stretches where the pitching isn't this good, of course. But maybe I'm jinxing it by saying this, but I don't feel like this is a team that looks like it's going to go through long, long losing streaks, provided they stay healthy, don't have any major issues in that regard.
0: Well, Mark mentioned the pitching. How about the Nat starting pitcher in this game on Monday night, Jake Urban. He made just his second major league regular season start, and he was terrific. Six and a third scoreless innings with five strikeouts. He became, in fact, just the second Nat starting pitcher to pitch into the seventh inning of a game in this season. Four hits, a double and three singles. He did issue three walks. He did get helped out by his defense, and that's in this game, turned four double plays, three of which happened while Irvin was pitching. He threw 92 pitches, 54 strikes versus 38 balls. He had the changeup working. I thought it was interesting, Davey Martinez, in his post-game session with you guys, a lot of praise for K. Baird Ruiz and the rapport that Kay Baird had with Jake Irvin. They did a great job today, those two together. But man, I mean, look, Jake Irvin was solid in his major league debut. He was a lot better than solid in this game on Monday night. He was great. I don't know if
1: this is some kind of diamond in the rough hidden gem that we've discovered here, and there's a long way to go before you really know what Jake Irvin is going to be. But it's hard not to be impressed with what we've seen here so far and what I love from him in this one. The results are one thing. That was great. But it was the presence he had on the mound. He looked like he belonged, like he was in complete control. He worked fast. He was throwing strikes. He was bouncing off the mound when he would strike a guy out or when he'd get a double play behind him. Like you said, the rapport with Cabert Ruiz was great. There was a change-up might have been one of the first ones he threw on the night that he got for a strike three, and he immediately pointed at Ruiz as if to say, Yeah, you know, we're on the same page here. You saw that. That was the right pitch to call there. I mean, he had enthusiasm. He was enjoying himself as he was out there. And afterwards, it's a pleasure to talk to him as well because he's just got a smile on his face. He is loving every minute of this. Again, it's two starts from a guy who was not considered a top prospect. So let's temper this a little bit. But Watching him, both in his debut and in this one, you see results, but you also see a certain unquantifiable quality about him that makes you think this guy has something going on there.
0: It's so funny how things can work out. So the Nats last Wednesday recalled Jake Irvin from AAA Rochester. He's in the Nats rotation because Chad Cool is on the 15-day injured list with this right foot injury. Chad Cool was in the Nats rotation because Cade Cavalli is out for the season due to Tommy John surgery. Cade Cavalli went to the University of Oklahoma. Jake Irvin went to the University of Oklahoma. Wouldn't it be something if the Nats this season do in fact end up having three young promising starting pitchers in the rotation, Mackenzie Gore, Josiah Gray, and a guy from Oklahoma, just not Cade Cavalli, it ends up being Jake Irvin. I mean, who the heck knows, but I just find that to be so fascinating. But, you know, with the Oklahoma thing, I do think there's something to drafting pitchers from big-time college programs. Now, that's not to say that high school pitchers can't work out because plenty have. But, you know, when you get a guy who has pitched in a big-time program like Oklahoma, he is used to pitching in big games. He is used to pressure pitching. You know, when he makes the majors, he's obviously going to be older, in theory anyway, than a guy who maybe you got at a high school. And so there's going to be a maturity to him. And you seem to have those things with Jake Irvin, like what you talked about with the presence, you know, a guy like Irvin is probably used to pitching in big spots and he is a bit older for a prospect. And, you know, I guess, too, because he's not a hot shot prospect, he kind of feels like this is my shot, man. Let me go out and enjoy this and do what I can do. And I think all of that comes together. And, you know, you get what we got here on Monday night, a guy who in his second major league start goes out there and gives a six and a third scoreless innings at the Giants.
1: Yeah. I like the way you put that. He's a rookie, but he's 26. Been around the block. He's already overcome Tommy John surgery. Like you said, pitching a big college program. And let's also remember he was not highly recruited I and mean, he came out of Bloomington, Minnesota, not an elite, uh, you know, blue chip prospect who had his choice of where to go in college. He was developed. He found himself there and turned into the pitcher that he is today. And all of those experiences shape you. And allow you to take the mound on a night like this and, you know, maybe in the back of your mind realize sort of this gift he's been given, (laughs) you know, he was not necessarily supposed to be here and he has found himself here and he's earned his way here and he's earned the right to stick around now. And that's going to be very interesting to see down the road. But, you know, you're talking about the future here and, you know, potential of three young promising starters. I mean, you want to really get crazy here. I was talking about this with somebody prior to the game. A year from now, or or by the end of next season, what if the Nationals rotation is Mackenzie Gore, Josiah Gray, Cade Cavalli, maybe Jake Irvin, and Paul Skeens, the LSU flamethrower who is a good bet to be the number two pick in this year's draft, and by all accounts is going to be on a fast track to the big leagues because he's thought of as like the best college pitching prospects in Steven Strasburg and Garrett Cole. All right, we're getting way ahead of ourselves here. You don't know what's going to happen for any of this, but- that right there, just the even the thought of that, it's not outrageous to think that that could be the case by the end of 2024 or the beginning of 2025. That's hope right there. That's what you're hoping for, what you're trying to do when you rebuild an organization. And there are the pieces there that make you say, if it all came together, they could really have something there.
0: Well, and as we record this, Around 1:30 a.m. Eastern on Tuesday, let's get a little crazier. Let's throw into that concoction that you just uh, stewed up there: Elijah Green, James Wood, Robert Hassel III. What if you're adding three stud outfield prospects to that mix? Like this is where you can get optimistic with where the Nats are at right now, and it's great to be able to talk like that because a year ago we could not talk like this. There was no reason to talk like this. There was no path by which we could talk like this. So. You know, it's great to have that. Hey, are you a law firm partner stuck on an underperforming team while the rest of the competitors are spending big and winning big? Well, unlike Mackenzie Gore and Kate ruiz you have options. You don't have to stay on your 60-win team. Nats Chat sponsor Mason Kalfis and his team, specialize in placing partners and associates at medium-sized and large law firms in Washington, D.C. and across the country. Mason Kelfis has recruiters in six states and has placed lawyers in more than half of the 100 largest law firms in the United States. While you may be reading doom and gloom from the legal press, many practices are red-hot antitrust, IP litigation, white-collar litigation, finance and direct lending, and healthcare. Because you are not under a CBA or team control for six years, in fact, staying at a firm too long is often a recipe for being underpaid. Explore your options today with Mason Kelfis. Call Mason today at 202-486-3535. That number again, 202-486-3535.
3: The pitch swung on, and Cole lines it into right center field. That's a base hit. Rounding third and scoring is Manessas In the third is Smith, and in the second with a pop-up slide and a double is Alex Cole. The Nationals finally get an extra base hit with their sixth hit of the inning.
0: And it's now the Nationals three and the Giants nothing. Well, speaking of the Nationals offense, it on Monday night had quite the game in terms of the start anyway. A five-run first inning. The Nats won this game 5-1. They did not score the rest of the game, but they, in the first inning, erupted for five runs on seven hits in an oh-so-typical Nationals big inning in 2023. Seven hits, a double, and six singles. The Nats, for the game, 11 hits, just one walk. The 11 hits were comprised of a double and 10 singles. This is who the Nats are. We know that. But what a job by the Nats. In that first inning, getting out to a big lead, giving Jake Urban a cushion with which to work. And, you know, it was a hit parade. It was one hit, one opposite field hit, it seemed like, after another.
1: This was remarkable. (laughs) Everything about this, they were so aggressive going after often the first pitch or at most the second pitch. They started the game seven for eight and five of six with runners in scoring position. And if not for a base running blunder, which we can get to here if you want. It really could have turned into a much bigger inning. I mean, it turned out it was fine, You score five runs. But it was a calculated effort on their part to be aggressive. They know that Anthony Desclafani throws strikes. They know that they didn't want to fall behind in the count. So first good pitch you see, go after it. And it was just this amazing thing to see. I mean, it almost felt like, and I asked afterwards, this was not the case. It almost felt like they knew what was coming. You know, they were on him the way that you would say, boy, he's tipping his pitches or th- they know something. I asked afterwards, I was somebody I trust swore to me that was not the case. This was just a good approach on their part. And then you did see after the first inning, that approach didn't so much work anymore because they maybe got a little too aggressive and started chasing or Desclafani made some adjustments. But man, I mean, it was five nothing and Desclafani had only thrown 18 pitches to eight batters. It was barely two pitches per hitter. That's how aggressive they were against him.
0: What's so funny is that Disclafani gave up the five runs in the first inning. He ended up pitching for seven innings in this game. I'd love to know how often in the history of the sport that has happened, a pitcher gives up five runs in the first and ends up pitching for seven innings in the game. And yet that did happen. In this game. So the biggest blow in the five run first, CJ Abrams, a two out, two run single up the middle for a five nothing Nats lead. Abrams on Monday night, one for four. Lane Thomas in this game on Monday night as a leadoff batter, three for five with three leadoff singles. He ended up uh, generating three leadoff singles in the game, including a leadoff single in that five run first. Joey Manessis, the singles machine, two more singles in this game on Monday night. He is a number four batter, two for four with an RBI single and another single. How about what we're seeing from Luis Garcia here? Garcia on Monday night, a fourth consecutive multi-hit game. He remains in that number two spot, and he is thriving in that number two spot right now. Two for five with two first-pitch singles. He in the five-run first, a first-pitch opposite field single to left field. I know Davey with you guys after the game talked up Luis Garcia and why he's doing so well, but man, does he seem locked in right now.
1: He's 10 for 18 on the road trip, okay? It's not just multiple hits. He's had three hits in a couple of these games. Swinging at the right pitches, you know, that's what it's all about with him. We know he can make contact, but it's a matter of finding the right one to make contact with. And he has been energized by hitting near the top of the lineup. It's been a good thing for him to do that and showing that he can be that and not just a bottom of the order kind of hitter. He sort of epitomizes what this lineup is, you know, these guys who aren't going to swing from their heels, but they're going to put the bat on the ball. They're going to be aggressive. You just hope they get the ball in the air enough, or if they hit it on the ground, they can find the right holes. It's not power, but it is contact and moving the baseball, as Davey likes to talk about it. When it works, it looks really good. When it doesn't, it can be frustrating because it leads to a lot of quick outs. And, you know, in a lot of ways, what they did after the first inning was so emblematic of this team. And it's false as a lineup in that they do make quick outs. Desclafani should never have still been in the game after seven innings, but they allowed that to be the case because they continued to be aggressive in making outs. But that's okay. They made it work in this case, and he's been good. I think it's a big step up for him. And what he's also doing in the field, which he's done all year long, he and C.J. Abrams were outstanding in the field, in this game, four double plays between them. Garcia had a sloppy throw that Probably could have been his first air of the year. It wasn't called an air. But again, bigger picture. I think it's a lot of reasons to be really pleased with what he's doing.
0: And regarding Garcia batting in that two spot, I really like now – well, at least on Monday night we saw this. This could change. But – the top three in the lineup are three potential foundational pieces. Lane Thomas one, Garcia two, Kbert Bert Ruiz three. You know, you're no longer doing the thing of Dom Smith batting in the two spot, Jamer Candelario batting in the three spot. You know, of course, last season, Cesar Hernandez batting in the one spot. Like that to me is a nice representative top three of a batting order with the way that things are now. And maybe eventually, you know, you get CJ Abrams bumped up there. So good to see that so regarding the uh, base running boo-boo that you referenced so no doubt i mean the five run first could have been an even bigger inning keeper ruiz uh, had a single to right field
3: cut off on the warning track by conforto thomas stopped at third and now heading for second is ruiz and the Nationals are going to lose a base runner here as garcia goes back to second and now ruiz is caught in a rundown and he is tagged out towards second base
0: He thought that he could get himself a double, but Lane Thomas ended up staying at third base. Luis Garcia had to stay at second base, and uh, the result was a logjam that yielded Cade ruiz being tagged out between first and second. What happened there? I guess he thought Lane Thomas was coming around to score and that second base was going to be open.
1: So this is the rare situation where I could make the case, and I think this is probably true, that all three guys botched it all three base runners, it starts with Lane Thomas. He did not get a good read off second base. He paused. He kind of went back to the base for a second, thinking that the ball might be caught. The ball never had a chance to be caught. It was down the line. So because of the late jump, now Gary DeSarcin is going to hold him at third, which was the right call because I think there may have been a play at the plate if not. So it starts with Lane Thomas. But if you are a trailing runner, it doesn't matter if you know where the ball was hit and you know that you're going to get two bases out of it. You have to pay attention to where the guy is in front of you. And neither Luis Garcia nor Caber Ruiz did that. They had their head down. And by the time they looked up and realized there was somebody still in front of them, it was too late. Garcia got back to second. The best part of it, I guess, was that Ruiz was able to draw the throw to him so that none of the lead runners were thrown out. They still had second and third at the end of all that. But yeah, that's a play that everybody's got to be better at. It starts with Lane Thomas getting a bad read but the runners behind him have to be aware of it. You can't take a base that's not there for you because your teammate is not taking the base in front of you.
0: So also for the Nats on Monday night, a new look outfield. The Nats on Monday put center fielder Victor Robles on the 10-day injured list retroactive to Sunday with back spasms. And so Alex Call was the Nats starting center fielder and Stone Garrett was the Nats starting left fielder. Call in this game on Monday night, 1-3, for three, RBI double and a hit-by-pitch. in that five-run first had a two-out opposite field. RBI double to right center for a 3 nothing Nats lead. I think it's interesting, though, because, you know, a year ago, you would have said, all right, Lane Thomas will play center field. It sounds like the plan with Robles on the IL is, no, Lane's going to stay in right, Call is going to patrol center, and then left field will be figured out on a rotational basis.
1: Yeah, and I do think it's interesting. It is a change from where they've been in the past. It's an acknowledgement that they are committed to Lane Thomas in right field for now, and they're not going to move him around now. Is that because they really like him in right field, or is it because they're concerned that his defense hasn't been good enough to put him in center field? Probably a little bit of of both. Alex Call has shown he can play a decent center field. He almost made a tremendous catch in this game. He just came up short. He actually had it in his glove, diving, catch in right center field. And as he landed the impact, the ball kind of popped out. He was upset at himself because he almost pulled that one off. But yeah, it's going to be him out there as long as Robles is out. It's going to be Thomas in right field and it's going to be a revolving door in left for the time being. Stone Garrett got the call on this one, but I think we may see Joy Manessis out there some point. We may see Ildemaro Vargas out there at some point, And I definitely believe we're going to see Jake Alou at some point to make his major league debut, maybe as soon as Tuesday, if the matchup is the right one that they want for him. Now, he's not a natural outfielder. None of those guys really are. The issue there is you've got to get somebody to play the position and you don't want to sacrifice too much offense. So I think they're going to try some different guys and see how it goes. This is going to sound a little crazy because I know we haven't really talked about him. or we haven't thought of this as being that huge of a loss, but they could really use Corey Dickerson right about now. They're very thin in the outfield and whatever you might think about Dickerson, he is a proven major league player and proven major league outfielder and they could probably use him. He's getting closer. He may go on a rehab assignment here in a few days and maybe by next week could be ready to come off the I.L., So it's possible we see him before Robles comes back, and that will help somewhat as they try to sort this out.
0: Yeah. Corey Dickerson has been out for a long time. It was on April 2nd that the Nats put Dickerson on the 10-day injured list with his left calf strain. Hey guys, it's Al Galdi for Window Nation. Some amazing news from Window Nation. You can modernize and reinvest in your home today with new windows from Window Nation, all while capitalizing on Window Nation's best deal of the year. Zero percent financing. For five years. Unheard of. Zero interest for five years. And Window Nation will give you two free windows for every two windows that you buy. Call 866-90NATION or visit windownation.com and tell Window Nation that you want the deal that you heard about from Al Galdi on the Nats Chat Podcast. Protect and increase the value of your home today by taking advantage of this great offer. Again, 0% financing for five years and two free windows for every two windows that you buy. And by the way, that goes for any style of window from Window Nation. And there's no limit. Save thousands of dollars on your new windows and save money on energy bills all while upgrading the look. And feel of your home. Eight six six ninety nation or WindowNation.com. Eight six six ninety nation or WindowNation.com. And make sure that you tell WindowNation that Al Galdi sent you. <music>
1: Yeah, I mean Jake. Jake's, you know, he's a hard worker. You know, and I got to know him a little bit um, early on in January this year, and talked to him about, it and watched him. You know, his work ethic throughout spring training. Uh, he works hard, and, he, and he's worked to put up some good numbers in the minor leagues, and he's earned the right to be up here. I mean, uh, you know, I mean, like I said, he's they moved him to different positions. He's played really well. He's, he's and now all of a sudden, you know, last year they put him in left field and done done well out there, but he can hit. You know, I mean, um, he, could, he could hit the ball, he puts the ball in play. And uh, we, lo- we love that about him. So he's going to get an opportunity to play here and, and get some at-bats up here.
0: With Jake Alou, that is the corresponding roster move to Victor Robles going on the 10-day I.L. The Nats uh, recalling Jake Alou, who is listed as an infielder, uh, recalling him from AAA Rochester. So he will not be getting the Jeter Downs treatment. You do think that we'll see Jake Alou play some during his time up at the major league level.
1: Yeah, I believe so. And it's just a matter of the positions. He's more of a third baseman, second baseman, and has played the outfield some. So they're going to do that. He's a better hitter than Jeter Downs is. And he profiles as a utility guy. That's his ceiling as a big leaguer, where Jeter Downs, there's still some kind of hope out there that maybe he will be an everyday middle infielder for them. And he just needs to get the playing time. Alou was hitting at AAA. He hit great last year. At Triple A, just never got the call up. He probably would have been up here sooner, except he hurt his knee in spring training and got off to a late start to the season, but he's in better shape now. Physically, he feels fine. Instead, he's comfortable playing the outfield if they need him there. It'll be interesting to see. I mean, this is, you talk about non prospects or, or guys who aren't ranked among prospects. This is a 24th round pick out of Boston College. Physically, he's, I think, 5'9, 5'10. He does not look the part of a big time big league hitter, but he has hit. He has shown an ability to do that in the minor leagues. He's a scrappy guy, but he also has hit for some power in the minor leagues. And so they're interested to see what he can do. And somebody who in the long run could actually be a piece of this moving forward, just not in a starting role, but in a utility kind of role.
0: Yeah, Jake Alou last season, 567 combined plate appearances for AA Harrisburg and AAA Rochester, an OPS of 871. Not bad. And uh, with him having been taken in the 24th round of the 2019 draft, when Alou makes his major league debut, he will be the lowest drafted position player to make his major league debut for the Nats since the franchise came to D.C., so that'll be a pretty cool thing. The Nats' bullpen in this game on Monday night. Two relievers combined to give up one run in two and two-thirds innings. Carl Edwards Jr., one and two-thirds scoreless innings, came into the game, bottom of the seventh, runners on first and second, one out, Nats up 5 nothing. induced back-to-back flyouts to end the inning. Edwards then tossed a scoreless bottom of the eighth, got into some trouble, gave up a single, a wild pitch, and a hit-by pitch, but he then induced a great 4-6-3 double play by the Nats, to end the inning. And uh, then we had Andres Machado, bottom of the ninth, giving up a run on a leadoff homer by Jock Peterson. Edwards still does not look the way we saw him look last season. Now, you know, remember, they brought him up from AAA last year. So, you know, you could say, well, he overachieved last year. Like, you can't expect too much from him. But he was lucky to escape that uh, bottom of the eighth unscathed on Monday night.
1: It was kind of a wild ride for Carl in this game. I mean, first thing, he comes in to replace Irvin with two on in the seventh, and he gets two outs on two pitches. You talk about the Nationals being aggressive, the Giants way aggressive in that spot where they you know, actually had a chance to get back in the game. And so he gets two real quick outs like that. Comes back for the eighth. There was a wild pitch. There was a hit batter. And then he buckled down and got what he needed that has become such a forte for this team. He got the double play grounder. And Garcia, Abrams, and Smith turned it. And boy, when they really turn one like that, it's a pretty thing, particularly the 4-6-3 because Abrams has the better arm. It's fun to see him turn that one and whip it over to first base. That got Edwards out of what could have been a messy situation. The best thing that happened in this game, remember we talked just yesterday about the state of the bullpen and how, boy, they could really use a night where they don't have to use any of their top guys. And I said, well, unfortunately, Jake Irvin is starting, so that could be a problem. No, they got Irvin into the seventh and then managed to get through the game using only Edwards and Machado, and they won the game. So it's not like they were just throwing guys out there for mop-up duty. That was a lovely thing to see, and hopefully this means that everybody now is fresh for Tuesday when the time comes. The bullpen needed a reset, and those guys gave it to them tonight.
0: And the next starting pitcher for the Nats is another innings eater. His name is Patrick Corbin. He, in his last outing, two runs in seven innings. That was that 4-3 walk-off win over the Chicago Cubs at Nationals Park last Thursday afternoon. But remember, Corbin in that game, the two runs that were charged to him came in the top of the eighth with him out of the game. So he actually tossed seven scoreless innings before being charged with the two innings. Man. What if Corbin goes out there and gives the Nats a second consecutive terrific outing?
1: You know, when as I was listing off all the potential starters for this team next year, I probably should have included the guy who's still going to be under contract and uh, started opening day this year. Don't count out Patrick Corbin yet, folks. He could still be a part of the future around here.
0: Well, you tell us what you think. Great to see the Nats doing as they are doing right now. You can find us on Twitter at Nats underscore chat. You can email the podcast Natschatpodcast.com. At gmail.com, including if you would like to sponsor the show, hit up Tim Chover, see what we can do for you. Again, NatsChatPodcast at gmail.com. We have a new website, NatsChatPodcast.com. You can listen to previous installments of the show. You can contact the show from the site. You also can get yourself a Nats Chat Podcast t-shirt. Again, that website, NatsChatPodcast.com. All Nationals. Radio highlights on Nats Chat are courtesy of 106.7 The Fan. Thank you to Tim Newmark for the music for the NatsChat Podcast. Visit timnewmark.com. For Mark Zuckerman of Al Galdi, we thank you for listening and we'll talk to you next time on the Nats Chat Podcast. He'll want. The ball lined down the left field line. Can it stay fair? And it does. One run will score. This could end the ball game as Pagano hustling around third.
3: Here comes the throw. No throw and the Mayers will lock it off in the bottom of the ninth inning. On a one out, two RBI, double by Jake Aru, the best hitter on this team. And the Mayers still won in the bottom of the ninth Four-to-three, just like last night, and remainers move to eight and three in time for first place in the top half of the Northern Division.